Hey, welcome to Genesis, man. We are so glad you guys are here tonight. You guys having fun so far? Oh my gosh. All right, uh, you guys having fun so far? I feel like every like when anybody when anybody does that the second time you ask the reaction's totally fake. So, uh, but you know it is what it is. So welcome to Genesis. We're glad you guys are here. My name is Mike. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and at Genesis we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt welcome, that you felt comfortable and invited, and uh, and also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're glad you're here. I probably don't have to announce this, but uh, Christmas this year is on a Tuesday, uh, so we will not have Genesis that night, um, and so that will actually begin a, a two-week break for us, uh, so we won't have uh, Genesis on Christmas or New Year's, so we're taking two weeks off, and we'll pick back up on January 8th, and we're actually going to have a night of worship that night on January 8th, and so you're not going to want to miss out on that. That's going to be incredible. So uh, like I said, uh, you know, we're taking off Christmas and New Year's, and uh, tonight we're actually beginning a series uh, that is going to carry us up to Christmas called I Told You So, and my main goal with this series would be to, to leave you with a deeper sense of gratitude for the coming of Christ. My goal for this series is to leave you with a deeper sense of gratitude for the coming of Christ, and, and I know around this time of year, a lot of times it feels like a half day at school. You know, like those days where in middle and high school where, you know, it's a half day and so everyone's just really excited and ready to go home, ready to have some fun, ready for some time off. I feel like that's how it is around this time of year. And so I wanted this series to be, uh, uh, this and this month, to be a little bit more lighthearted and I, I wanted to keep things simple but still cha- challenging. So does that sound good, everybody? Awesome. So with that said, uh, it is true that, the birth of Jesus is synonymous with, uh, with Christmas in our culture. It's, it's closely tied with Christmas in our culture, which is not inherently a bad thing, right? Like, why not, why not celebrate the birth of our Savior? But it is a, a shame that usually the, the celebration of the birth of our Savior gets kind of lost in the chaos of the Christmas season. That, and in a time where it should be screaming loudly to us, it seems to kind of get lost in all of the busyness. Um, and, and so during the Christmas season, we need to be reminded of the significance of this story. And so the birth of Jesus was a, a monumental occasion. It was one that literally split how we record time. And you think about B.C. and A.D., that was split by the birth of Jesus. And I know nowadays you're, you know, people are moving away from using B.C. to B.C.E., but regardless, you're, you're, you're splitting time with the birth of a man and and I find that so incredible that the birth of Jesus literally split how we record history. The birth of Jesus was the beginning of the life that saved us all. The, the birth of Jesus was step one of God's salvation plan. And to those who lived before the birth of Jesus was synonymous with, with Christmas, to, to those who experienced it, it was an extremely big deal. And I was trying to think of a word that could describe what the, the birth of Jesus meant at the time that it happened, and I believe that the best way that I could describe it is to say that it was seismic, that it was a seismic shift. The birth of Jesus shifted, broke apart, flipped upside down, and altered everything. It was less like a sweet nativity scene and more like a spiritual earthquake that shook the foundation of what everyone thought that they knew. And now it somehow gets lost to us among gifts and trees and reindeer and Starbucks cups. And so it happened in a way that seemingly nobody expected. It, it happened in an unusual way. 
But long before Jesus was born, there were some prophets who the Lord used to speak, and they foretold how Jesus was to be born. And if they were around at the time of the birth of Jesus, they would not have been surprised at the way that it happened. They may have just said, I told you so. And throughout this series, we're gonna be looking at one Old Testament prophecy, and we're gonna find it in the story of the birth of Jesus, where it really happened in the New Testament. And we're gonna see how it applies to our lives. And so this, uh, and I, before we get too deep into this, I would say if I had one word for you tonight, before we get started, it would be this, unusual. One word for tonight, unusual. So keep that in mind as we move forward. This week's prophecy comes from the book of Isaiah chapter seven. And so you don't have to worry about turning there because it's gonna be on the screen behind, behind me. Um, and this is what it says. The Lord said this through Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we're gonna see how this was fulfilled tonight. So if you would, pray with me, and then we're gonna jump into the scriptures. God, I thank you for, for bringing us here tonight, God, as a body of believers uh, with one goal, with one purpose tonight, and that is to see you glorified. And so God, I thank you for the story of the birth of your son. God, I pray that it would speak to us, to us tonight, that it would not get lost in the Christmas season, but would instead speak loudly to us. And God, I thank you that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not. God, I pray that you would speak tonight, that we'd be closer to you on the way out than we were coming in. In Jesus' name, say it with me, amen. All right, so if you would, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter one. And, uh, and while you're doing that, basically all that has happened up until this point in the book of Matthew is the lineage of Jesus. And, and, and what is so amazing about the, the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus is who you find in there. You see people like Rahab the prostitute or people like Judah and Tamar who, if you ever go read their story, they did some messed up stuff in the Old Testament. And so it's filled with sinful people. And so I want you to know tonight as a, as a side note before we get, like I said, too deep into this, if you ever think that God can't use you because of your sin, look at the lineage of Jesus. He used a lot of sinful people for his plan. So we're gonna pick up in Matthew 1, 18, and, uh, and this is what it says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So as the story goes, Mary is betrothed to Joseph, and before they get married, she's found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph obviously doesn't believe that this is the case, uh, uh, but he thinks that you know, she has stepped out on him, and so he decides to break things off quietly so that she doesn't get publicly ridiculed for it. And what you see a lot, what you see a lot in the Bible, you know, when you read the Bible, you may notice that sometimes a lot of things happen, uh, a lot of time, uh, like a long period of time might be covered or, or a lot of events happen, and all you get is like one sentence about it, or you don't get a ton of detail, or in this case, we get three sentences, but there's a lot in here. And so if you can put yourself in this situation and read between the lines, this is honestly kind of a mess. This is a bit unusual. Think about this situation, that Mary and Joseph are, they're, they're believed to have been teenagers at this time, so they're, they're fairly young and they're betrothed to be married. And I know betrothed is not a word that we use a lot nowadays. Uh, I feel like if you were to say that about you know, like someone you were engaged to now, it'd be, you'd probably get laughed at or something, you know what I mean? Um, but it's not a word that we use a lot. I would say, you know, the closest thing we have to it nowadays is, 
engagement, uh, but it was something a little different than engagement. So basically the custom of the time was uh, the parents of the boy chose the girl that they wanted him to marry. And so once they did that, they made some official arrangements, and, and I, I thought this was interesting. They actually had them sign a prenup. They had them sign a prenuptial agreement. So divorce was an option. And so, and we see that it is because when Mary turns up pregnant and Joseph knows it's not because of him, he decides to break things off with her. And uh, I, I couldn't help but, but wonder over all the, the Christmas messages that, that pastors have done over the years, like how many times they've thrown in a Jerry Springer joke there. Like, who's the father? You know what I mean? I'm not the dad. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'll spare you. So Joseph wants to do this in, a, uh, in an honorable way to, to not publicly shame her and as he's thinking about doing this, something happens. So let's keep reading. This is verse, verse 20. It says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So we see this angel comes to Joseph in a dream, and we see that, that Matthew, when he writes his gospel account, he writes, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Behold is a, in, the, in the Greek was a, was a word used to get your attention because what was about to be said was very unusual. And I would say so. This is very unusual. This angel appears to Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what, that, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And I think that verse is so well known and, and a verse you hear a lot, especially this time of year, we may have heard it a, a thousand times. And so I wanted to, to take a moment and maybe help us see how mind-blowing this really is. And I don't mean how God made this work or whatever. I'm not gonna attempt to explain that. But what is mind-blowing is the thought of Jesus coming as a baby of all things. I want you to think about this. At conception, so at, a, at you and I's earliest stage, smallest stage, the very beginning, we're a cluster of cells, small enough to fit on the top of the tip of a ballpoint pen. And so how backwards is it to think that the God who spoke the universe into existence humbled himself to come to earth and begin as a cluster of cells? That how backwards is it to think that, that he who forms you in your mother's womb, that fearfully and wonderfully knit you together, had to be formed himself when he came to earth? To think that the, the all-powerful, all-knowing God lowered himself to be developed inside a woman's womb. That his heart had to be separated into its four chambers. The brain had to develop. His skin, his eyes, his nose, his, his, uh, his fingers and toes. And to think that the, the all-sustaining God who provides all that we have would be dependent on Mary to sustain and provide for him. He was human as you and I in this room tonight. And so what kind of love would be willing to leave the perfection of heaven and then step into the weakness of a human body? Jesus was 100% God, choosing to also become 100% man. And that is very unusual. And so let's keep reading and see what the angel continues to say. This is verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So uh, right here we see uh, the pro uh, 
right here we see, sorry, right here the, uh, the angel goes on to say that Mary will bear a son, and, you shall, and they say, you know, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And what we get right here is a description of the mission of Jesus, that he's come, he, he came to save his people from their sins, that he came to save you from your sins. He came to save me from my sins, that he, he came into, like I said before, he left the perfection of heaven. He came down into this sinful world, this world full of sin, full of darkness, and he came to live a perfect life, to fulfill a system that we could never fulfill on our own, to live that perfect life and to be a perfect sacrifice for you and I, to die a sinner's death, one that you and I deserved so that we could be granted eternal life, so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that our, our sin, what, what condemns us, could be taken care of. And so we see from the very beginning of Jesus' life what he was sent to earth to do. His life on earth set into motion God's salvation plan for mankind. So let's keep reading. We'll read a couple more verses. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so there we see the prophecy that we read earlier. The virgin had conceived, and she was to bear a son, and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so God had spoken this through Isaiah 700 years before it happened. And right here in the story, we see that in fact, the virgin had conceived and she was going to bear a son. When I was writing this message, I thought about something that that I hadn't thought about before. And you might be thinking the same thing. Um, It seems like that the prophecy told, told them to name Jesus Emmanuel. And then the angel says, name him Jesus. And I thought that was kind of interesting, and it seems a little strange. And so I looked into it to kind of figure out what exactly they meant. And basically, Emmanuel was just a nickname. It was a nickname. And so his name was to be Jesus, but he would be called Emmanuel. And so kind of think of Alexander the Great. His name was Alexander, but he was called the Great. Uh, Or another example, you may not know who Eldrick Woods is, but you know who Tiger Woods is. So his name is Eldrick, but his name... Or his, but he's called Tiger. And so Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in this part of the life of Jesus. They called his name Jesus. He's gonna be Emmanuel. He's gonna be God with us. The virgin conceived and she's gonna bear a son. And so let's keep reading and see how our story for tonight ends. And we're gonna see where you and I come into this. So this is verse 24, 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. And so Joseph wakes up from his dream and he does as the angel told him to do. He takes Mary as his wife, knows her not until she had given birth to their son. They name him Jesus. And what I love so much about this story, what I love so much about this story is the obedience of Joseph and Mary to do the unusual. That we can learn so much from their example of obeying God even when it doesn't make sense. To think like, okay, this is weird. This is not normal, this is a little strange, this is a bit unusual, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And, and so this Christmas, this, this holiday season, what can you do to make it unusual? What can you do to make it unusual? To not get caught up in the distractions of the season, but to instead break from the mold, break from what, you, what you've always done, and do something that you wouldn't normally do to reach out to a friend, to, to bless somebody, to show a, a difficult family member 
uh, some love that you, <laughs> you don't really feel like showing. I know a lot of times around this time of year, spending time with family can be very difficult, especially if you come from a broken home or, you, or well, really anybody deals with the, the difficulty of family. And so around this time of year, what can you do to be a little unusual? And to take this out of the, the Christmas context, doing things that feel unusual in your life can change the trajectory of someone else's life, if not yours. The story of God is shaped by people who were willing to do the unusual, for people who said yes to the unusual. From the very beginning, you think about Abraham, who, who said you know, yes to, to God, God's promise to, that he was gonna have a kid in his old age. And then you get to, to someone like Moses, who had a, a speech impediment, and he still said yes, even though it didn't make sense. Or someone like Joseph, who could have had his brothers killed, and he instead forgave them. Or Daniel, who went God's way and not the world's way. You've got so many examples throughout Scripture of people saying yes to the unusual, saying yes, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it feels uncomfortable or strange, saying, yes, God, I'm gonna do it anyway. And so let me ask you, what is God calling you to do that might feel counterintuitive, that might feel uncomfortable, that might feel strange? Because you saying yes to that one thing could change the trajectory of your life or someone else's life. And an example of this in in my own life is uh, several years ago, I dealt with a, a really big fear of public speaking. And I, I knew there was a, I felt a call in my life to, to go to, or to be in ministry, to speak, to preach, and be in ministry in that, in that arena, in that facet. But the problem was I was scared to death to talk in front of people. And I remember feeling this, feeling this call in my life, and I was out to eat with a group of friends one time, and one of the guys there had the, uh, I guess you could say, he was in the position to make this kind of decision, but he asked me, and he said, hey, how would you like to speak at Northwood Chapel, which is our school's chapel that every Friday is about 300 kids Friday mornings. And uh, my heart sunk. <laughs> you know, at that point, you got that tension where it's like, I, I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel strange. It, it feels unusual. I'm scared to death to do it. But I knew God had also called me to do it. And so I remember I told the guy, I said, listen, I'm saying yes, but I'm not gonna like it. Saying yes, but I'm not gonna like it. And it's kind of like a funny memory for me because that, that just kind of set into to motion to, that God used that to set into motion the, the plan for my life to get me to where he wanted me to be. And so now it's like, it's weird because I, I do this all the time and yeah, I still get nervous sometimes, but it's one of those things that, that God called me to do it. And even though I was scared, even though it felt unusual and felt strange and uncomfortable, I did it anyway. And I know of so many other people who could tell you similar stories they were put in situations where it's like, I know God's called me to this, but it doesn't really feel comfortable. It doesn't feel right. It's counterintuitive. But God, I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna say yes to the unusual. And their whole life has changed because of it. Someone else's life has changed because of it. So I would challenge you this Christmas season, and not only in this Christmas season, but in your life, to say that tough yes. To be okay with doing something a little unusual. Because you never know what it's gonna lead to. The story of God is shaped by people who said yes to the unusual. So I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. I wanna take a moment and pray for you. We're gonna end tonight on a, on a high note. We're gonna celebrate tonight. And, uh, and so I wanna pray over you. And, uh, and again, I just wanna encourage you and challenge you to do the unusual, to say the tough yes, and to do it even when it may not make sense. 
So if you would, go ahead and stand with me, and, uh, and let me pray over you. God, I thank you so much for this, uh, this, this group of believers, God, that you have brought us from all different uh, backgrounds, all different contexts, and uh, God, you've brought us here tonight, and God, like I said before, we are unified tonight with one thing, and that is to see your name lifted high, to see you glorified. And so, God, I pray right now that whatever may be stirring in our spirits, God, the, the tough yes, the, the, the thing that feels uncomfortable, the, the thing that feels unusual, God, I pray tonight that as we walk out of here, our answer to that will be yes. It will not be no, it will not be maybe next time. God, it will be this time I'm gonna do what you want me to do. And I thank you for the story of the birth of your son. God, that set into motion your salvation plan for mankind, for the salvation plan for, for me and, and for you. And God, I thank you for the, the grace that you give us through that. The blood that was shed on the cross, God, that made a, a way for us, a, a, a way of redemption, God, and gave eternal life to all of us in here tonight. So God, I pray as we leave this place tonight again that we would say the tough yes, do the unusual, and know, God, that it's gonna maybe change the trajectory of our life or somebody else's. In Jesus' name, amen.